Hello and welcome to Shear Jashub. Shear Jashub is a Bible study program brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and in today's message, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing with the Heavenly Authority series. In our last program, we heard about the sad and not very promising beginnings of Jephthah the son of Gilead and a harlot. He had been driven out of his home by his half-brothers and even out of his town, and so he gathered with a band of men in the land of Tob. As he continues teaching today, Pastor Greg resumes his sermon in the book of Judges, chapter 11, at verse 5. And so now, let's settle in with our Bibles and join Pastor Greg in the study. <laughs> And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah for the land of Tob. So now the elders are coming to get him to help them. So obviously he and this band have built for themselves a reputation as they've gone on these raids. They probably caused distress to the Ammonites and now the elders of Gilead are looking for his help. And they say to him, verse 6, And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, be our commander, our captain, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? So we find out that the elders of the town, of the area, were in agreement with his half-brothers, when he was expelled, when he received no inheritance. Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Be our head, be our captain, be our chief. And Jephthah wants to make sure that these men mean what they say. You cannot lead a group that's not serious about your leadership. And he wants to make sure that they're serious about his leadership position. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, verse 9, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. And then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander, a captain, over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord and Mizpah. So he wants to make sure, he's shrewd, that this is not just for the moment to win the battle, but that he can come home again, that he's recognized as a captain that they'll listen to what he says, that he can truly lead them. And so they make uh, this commitment, and the Lord hears these words. Jephthah then goes on to show himself an able student of Israel's history and a wise ambassador. He's not just looking for war. Jephthah wants peace if it's possible. And the first thing he tries is diplomacy. 
And we see here in the book of Judges, in the middle of what's a very brutal time in human history, when warfare and bloodshed is very common, we see in Jephthah an unusual calm and an unusual wisdom. He tries first to talk it out with the king of Ammon. He tries first to settle it peacefully. And so he says in verse 12, Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me, that you have come to fight against me in my land? Now that he's recognized as their leader, Jephthah can speak corporately. He represents Israel as its judge. Verse 13, And the king of the people of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt, from the Arnon as far as Jabbok and to the Jordan, now therefore restore these lands peaceably. So Jephthah sent again messengers to the king of the people of Ammon and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. Now, what do we have here? We have a dispute over land. Does this sound familiar? Right? What went on so many thousands of years ago is still going on today. This is a dispute with the Jordanians about land. And he's trying to have a communication. And the king of Ammon is saying, you took all this land from us. And we're going to find out that it actually happened hundreds of years before that there was this turnover of land. And we'll give it back peacefully and everything is done. Now this Israelite settled in this land. And Jephthah reminds him, he knows Israel's history, that Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. Verse 16, and here he reviews the events back in Moses' days. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea, and they came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please, let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner, they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. They didn't go in. Remember, Moses wants to pass through those lands peacefully, go over the Jordan and into Canaan, the promised land. And he comes out, he applies to the, the king of Edom, he applies to the king of Moab, and neither of them will let him pass through. Verse 18, And then they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, and came to the east side of the land of Moab, and encamped on the other side of Arnon. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for Arnon was the border of Moab. So they're still waiting. They're looking for permission. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, Please, let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together, encamped at Jahaz, and fought against Israel. As they're asking, as they're negotiating, let us just pass through. Sion, the king of Heshbon, 
assembles all these people and they attack the Israelites. And when they attack the Israelites, the Lord God of Israel delivered Sion and all his people into the hand of Israel. And they defeated them, thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that territory. They did everything peacefully. They did everything right, properly. But once they're attacked, God gives the enemy into their hands and they receive that whole area on the Transjordan, on the other side of the Jordan, as their possession. And it reminds us of the Six-Day War, how Israel was attacked on all sides by the Arab nations. And you read accounts of that day. They said it was like a spirit falling upon the enemy, how they would just back away and back away. And before they knew it, they're in Jerusalem. And miraculously, from being attacked on all sides by the Arab nations, God gave Jerusalem and that whole area around it into their hands. It was a miracle. Then he goes on to remind them about Balak. Balak, the son of Zippor. We studied about him, right? And he says in verse 26, While Israel dwelt in Hezbon in all its villages, and in Eroah and its villages, and in all the cities along the banks of Arnon, for 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? Therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. He says earlier, uh, will you not possess whatever Chemosh your gods give you to possess? Why don't all your pagan gods give these lands back to you? He says, why are you doing this now? For 300 years, you haven't done it. You see the protection that God had given them. It was only because of their gross sin that now the enemies of Israel could have a foothold against them. And notice by him saying 300 years, we see a chronology for judges that places the Exodus, I say this for those who like Bible detail, that would place the Exodus more at the 1446 B.C., rather than the 1280 B.C. And, and most of you, if you study the Bible, know the debate over was the Exodus in the 1400s B.C. or the 1200s B.C. Well, if you accept the 1200 B.C., you need a much compressed time scale for judges to take place. And we have here from the mouth of Jephthah that it's already been 300 years since they've come into the land. So that would give credence to the 1446 B.C. date for the Exodus, to allow then for Samuel and David around 1000 B.C. Okay. May the Lord, he says to him, may the Lord, Yahweh, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and between the people of Ammon. Once you've debated all you can and you've talked all you can, the only thing you can do is leave it in God's hands. Let the Lord judge. And you know what that word there for judge is? It's not going to surprise you. It's shofat. It's the same word that's being used here of Gideon and Jephthah and Deborah and all the other judges in the book of Judges. Remember, they were governmental leaders. They were administrators. They were rulers. They had influence in judicial matters. They administered justice. And they were saviors and deliverers. All is encompassed in that word, Shaphat. 
They judged Israel. But notice Jephthah, the judge, understands an important principle that really there's only one judge. May Yahweh, the judge, he is the true judge. They're just his servants. He is the one who is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the one who is the judge of the living and the dead. And he is the only savior and the only deliverer. He is the only real Shafat, the only administrator, the only savior, the only dispenser of justice and judgment and protection. That's why he can be a judge, Jephthah, because he understands that really there's only one judge, God Almighty himself, the one who will judge the living and the dead. And so he received this limited authority for a time to lead his people because he recognizes the ultimate kingship of God himself. He is that he is. He is the judge. And let him be the one that makes judgment, that renders judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. Thank you for listening to the program today. If you would like to write to us or help support the evangelical outreach of our church, Please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right and at the next light, Turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us next time for Sheer Jeshub.